Hey, this is Ted Nugent, and I am the Iron City Rock Guy. What's up, y'all? This is Lee with Pop Evil, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks! Hey, this is Tom Kiefer from Cinderella, and you are listening to Iron City Rock. Hey, this is Jeff Labar. You're listening to Iron City Rocks. Turn it up. Hello and welcome to episode 242 of the Iron City Rocks podcast. I am your host, John, coming to you from the Iron City of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, bringing you the best hard rock, rock, metal, and blues talk on the net. Episode 242, we're joined by three special guests. We have Vinny Salvatore of the band American Dog, who will be coming through Pittsburgh to play with the band American Dog. So we're going to talk about them in just a little bit. We're also joined by a returning guest, Marco Mendoza. Marco is the bassist of a new band called The Dead Daisies. You may remember him from his time at Whitesnake, Ted Nugent, and when he was on our show last, he was with Thin Lizzy. So Marco's got a new band. Uh, they're coming through to open for Def Leppard and Kiss when they play the first Niagara Pavilion later on in the month of August. So we're going to join by him shortly, but we're going to start off with a guest uh, new to the show. Uh, not Certainly his band is not new to the show. He's a guitarist of Cinderella. His name's Jeff Labar. Certainly remember him from such hits as Shake Me, Gypsy Road, Night Songs, all that great stuff. So Jeff's got a new album coming out later on in the month of August, right around the end of August. The new record comes out. It's available on Rat Pack Records. You can go to ratpackrecordsamerica.com. That's Pack spelled P-A-K. The first single is called No Strings. The album is called One for the Road. Uh, if you check it out, their website... Uh, Rat Pack, uh, no strangers to this show. We've uh, often featured artists that have been on that label. Always do a fantastic job of bundling the album. For ten bucks, you get the CD, which is you know kind of typical. But uh, for only a very slight bit amount more, you're getting yourself with guitar picks, stickers, T-shirts. Uh, there's even a package for under a hundred bucks where you get all that stuff plus a phone call from Jeff himself thanking you for the CD. So. Well worth your time looking out. You can also get it on iTunes and Amazon and all that great stuff. It's available for pre-order. Again, the album is One for the Road from Jeff Labar. So without further ado, let's play the first single, No Strings, and get into the interview with Jeff. show guitarist jeff labar how you doing jeff i'm good john how are you great great um uh, you're obviously no stranger to the world of rock and metal the guitarist for the band cinderella for you know, the better part of god it's got to be close to 25 30 years now um yeah almost 30 years but but if, if i'm not mistaken this is the first time you've put out a an album under your own name am i correct on that oh yeah this is this is my first venture 
my first uh, soiree outside of Cinderella. Awesome. So let's talk about the records coming on a Ratback Records, which uh, as fans have known on our show, we preach quite a bit how awesome, you know, the bundles and things like that that, that Joe and the guys at a Ratback offer. But um, let's talk. Let's go back to the kind of score one. What was what was the impetus to make a solo album now? Well, I've been threatening to do it for years, mm-hmm. but just to the, just the people closest to me, like my basically my wife has been. <laughs> she's she she got tired of hearing it. And she she basically called me out, and when uh and uh, when Kiefer put out his solo record, both my wife Debbie and my manager Larry Moran said, "Now, I got a little smack behind the head." Mm-hmm. Said, "You got to go in the studio now." And my wife and Larry kicked my ass all the way into the studio, and I uh, so Larry, Larry also he said, "I can get you a deal with Rat Pack." He had just done the Lynch Mob and John Karabi. Sure, I was like, you know what? Give, give me a minute. Let, let me see if I can do this first. <laughs> I have all these songs. I just never, I never was the lead vocalist. Sure. Well, I've been singing all my life. But so I went to the studio with the help of Troy Lucetta from Tesla, mm-hmm. who gave me some drum tracks. And I went in the studio with my engineer, Ronnie Honeycutt. And uh, I just, I just overdubbed guitars, bass, keyboards, vocals, everything I could pile on to a, uh, Trillions drum tracks, and I came up with three songs. The first of which was "No Strings," and uh, and uh, I sent "No Strings" out to Fred before I was done everything. I just had uh, three songs, but I was done "No Strings." I sent it out to Fred Corey to mix it, mm-hmm. and he just, you know, he just did a great job. I wanted him to mix the whole record, but he got busy with um, the the TV show. He's he's uh, scoring a TV show called it's NBC's. Uh, the night shift. Okay. Like a medical drama. Yeah. New. Mm-hmm. And they got picked up for another season. So he's going to be busy. But anyway, um, it was like, uh, it took me, it didn't take me very long. And it was, it was the end of 2012 and right before Christmas. So Christmas, I broke for the holidays. And in February, I joined another band. <laughs> Okay. Eric and I have done Eric and Eric Burningham and I have done some side projects together, and sure. uh, and we did another one called Cheap Thrill. Okay. And that lasted for about a year, so it, it took me the rest of that year to finish the record because I was I was away most of the time, so I was getting in the studio when I could. But I managed to finish it. Uh, we just did seven songs. We did a seven song EP, and uh, basically we're calling it Side Side A. <laughs> you know, we, we released no strings, and uh, the the seven song EP uh, is called One for the Road. For That'll the road. be released August twenty sixth. Okay, and uh, with with another one to follow. If, if people like it, I'll do another seven songs and call that maybe two for the road. Two for the road. Five <laughs> Didn't Skinner have a one more for the road or from the road? Or? I believe so. More, I think it's one more from the road. From the road. There you go. Yeah. Go that yeah. route. So, yeah, and I like the idea of, you know, sometimes, you know, your bands, you know, they wait until they have 16 songs and, you know, totally max out a CD. I, I personally would rather have five or six quality tracks you walk away remembering, you know, as opposed to you yeah, know, well, a bunch of filler. Yeah, well, these days it's a, it's a short attention span theater. Mm-hmm. You know, these days with those people, it's like, you know, if it, was, if it was up to me, I would have released one song at a time. Yeah, um, a lot of a lot of pop artists do that. They just release a song to iTunes. Say, here, check this out for a while, 
and you can talk about that and chew on that for a while, and then uh, you know maybe I'll give you another one. So that's that's why we that's why we decided to do an EP. Yeah. You know, I figured I should I should I should put out more than one song, but uh, No Strings is the one song that's representing it right now. Yeah, and, it, and it's great. You know, as a fan of, of Cinderella from you know more years ago than we both care to remember, it's great to you know you, you guys all have some new music. Obviously, Eric is is busy with the new project, The Devil City Angels, um, mm-hmm. and you know Tom is seems like he's everywhere re- recently on tour, and you know, you've got a new record out. Um, how was the experience of stepping up to the mic? I mean, obviously, anybody who's ever seen Cinderella sees you at the mic, but. You know, as as the front man, is that is that comfortable for you to do that? Well, I've only done it in the studio. Mm-hmm. I mean, I haven't I haven't gone out and done it live yet. Okay. So, <laughs> so in the studio, yeah, it was. I, I, I had some anxieties. I, I didn't, you know, I'm as insecure as any other musician. Mm-hmm. And uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, just driving to the studio, I was I had these thoughts like, oh my god, can I do this? Uh, once, once I get in there, once I get in the studio and get in the vibe and all, you know, it all pours out. Yeah. And I have a great engineer, uh, Ronnie Honeycutt, who, who I work with on every single thing I do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he's very encouraging and he's, and he's a very good, uh, he basically records me. And then we listen back and I say, ooh, that sucks and that's good and I might do that one over. Mm-hmm. So, but no, it was fine. You know, when it, when it, it makes him, it makes, come to you know there may come a time where i put a band together and tour this mm-hmm. and that'll be that'll be an adventure uh being being the guy up front being the guy in the middle being the guy who talks to the audience yeah um and being the guy who has to rest his voice sometimes yeah you know i've seen i've seen what keeper's gone through all these years and you know it's it's i i don't envy him no, no, I think he's had you probably, in, in some respects, some of the hardest, you know, worst luck when it comes to that kind of stuff. So you certainly learned, you know, the importance <clears throat> of resting your voice. You know, when you're when you're 25 and full of piss and vinegar and touring the world, that's one thing. But, you know, you start having to go under the knife and, and taking years at a time off because of it. You certainly learn to appreciate that. So that, Absolutely. That would be great. Um I'd be remiss if I didn't ask if there was any talk of any touring plans for for Cinderella, or or are we ever going to see a follow up to Still Climbing? To your knowledge, well, Still Climbing was was like '94. Yeah, uh, it's 20 years ago. I I I doubt it, uh, but Tom always says, you know, don't ever count it out. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like we're it's not like we're not recording together on purpose. Sure. It's just that you know that the climate of the record business, um, it, it's it's so different. I could I could go on for days about how different the music business is now, just with downloads. Mm-hmm. What I was saying, short attention span theater. There's no big record labels around. Well, there's there's some, but you know it's mostly a lot of small labels and independent uh, and independent labels and artists having their own labels and releasing mm-hmm. their own stuff or putting it out on YouTube. Yeah. So I don't. I don't know. I think I think I think we're all doing things individually because we we don't want the responsibility of the four guys. Sure. You know. I don't know. And and maybe you know maybe that it has to be the right situation for us four. Mm-hmm. Now we're. Uh, I think we're the only band that I can think of 
that's been together for 30 years that are all the same guys and still yeah. all like each other. Yeah. You know, well, we all, you know, yeah, that, that, that second like, part of that sentence like is probably the most. still riding the same boss, you know. Yeah. Yeah, so many times you see guys, um, you know, they'll separate hotels, separate tour managers, you know. I can think of a very separate famous boss. band right now where the singer has one entirely different management than the rest of the band. You know, that happens yeah. quite a bit. And I know um, you guys have always seemed to, to be, uh, you know, even when you go off and do different things, it seems like, you know, you and Eric tend to, you know, work on stuff together. Fred obviously is busy as hell. Um, but it's fantastic, you know, to see you guys come out and do a short run. And, and, you know, I think that you bring up a great point about the, the climate. I mean, a band now, you can make the top 10 with 40,000 copies in a week, you know, the first week. You know, you guys were probably doing that, you know, with your debut album before anybody knew who you were, you know, and now, yeah. you know, you do that and it's, it's a, a big accomplishment. You know, it, it doesn't make sense, yeah. you know. I know. I mean, and we're, we're and we're talking we're talking like famous pop stars now are, are doing these lower numbers. You know, if if Lady Gaga goes platinum, that's incredible. I mean, we were doing we were doing triple platinum back in the day. Yeah. You know, open up the Bon Jovi when they were they were selling nine million records. Yeah. So it's a totally different thing now. You know, with mm. downloads and stuff. Um, if if a if if you think about it, you think about the the 80s rock bands that were, you know, lumped in with or mm. from large genres, say Tesla and Rat, mm. and Firehouse, Warren. I mean, they're still been Skid Row and they're, they're still putting out records. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I mean, they're lucky if they sell maybe 20,000. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, I don't know the exact numbers, but that's what I meant by, uh, you know, the climate of the business. So does Cinderella want to go in the studio and, only sell as many records as we still have fans left, or or yeah. do we want to do something new and gain new fans? Yeah, and, or you know, do, you, and do, you, do you want to go into debt to make a record, and when you go out and play, you know, <laughs> shows live, people still want to hear the same set list you did five years ago. I mean, that's another yeah. consideration. How many bands like Kiss, for example, you know, they spend the money to make this album, they'll play a new song, you know. One year and then mm-hmm. they'll, they'll dump it again and put Doctor Love back into the set. So it, it is oh, it, it is kind of a quagmire to be in. But I, you know, I love what Rat Pack does. For those who are not familiar, if you go to Rat Pack Records America, uh, you know they're fantastic how they bundle the stuff. You know, for just a couple of bucks extra, you get some pics or an autograph or a phone call from you. I mean, all kind of just different things. Oh, yeah, we can bring the fans like close. Yeah, I got T-shirts and autograph pictures and posters, even drum heads. And yeah, there's like a bundle of like the ultimate fan bundle mm-hmm. where you get all that stuff plus a phone call yeah. from me. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a cool thing though. I mean, it, you know, is you know, fans who love Cinderella. You know, it's, it's always seemed like a very diehard fan base. You know, you know, you don't see people that, you know, a lot of the bands like you mentioned from that era. You know, some of them get panned. You know, can't make it. But I don't never you never hear people talk badly of Tesla and Cinderella. You know, I think everybody who loved that music loved those bands, you know. You know. Wow, that's cool. That's so, cool. I I, one that. one question on, on the 80s era, and this is just because I had a very bad mishap with a guitar of mine. Were you guys the first to do that little trick where you threw the guitar over your shoulders and kind of spun it around, or did you catch somebody else doing that? Uh, the, the the first band I called to it was a band called the Dead End Kids. Okay. 
maybe you can Google them. Uh, and like, <laughs> I know they were out before Google existed, but when I was a teenager, there was a band in South Jersey. I grew up in Philadelphia, mm-hmm. uh, a band in the South Jersey Shore um, called the Dead End Kids. And okay. they were basically Motley Crue before Motley Crue was around. Okay. I'm talking about early 80s, like late 70s, early 80s. Okay. And I had to, I had to get... I had to get a fake ID to go see them. Okay. And they play the Hurricane East every <clears throat> every weekend uh, down down Wildwood, New Jersey. And these guys were just some just hard drinking Mets snorting, <laughs> like just crazy ass. You know, uh, they were doing. It was the first time I ever heard. I I never heard of Iron Maiden or Jesus Priest. Yeah. That's how I got. That's how I heard of those two bands because this band, the Dead End Kids, were doing them, spinning their Les Pauls around, and Les Pauls like down to their knees, and spinning them all together. And like, I mean, this one one guitar player, Kelly James, he would spin it around his neck like a hula hoop. Ouch! You know, like a heavy ass Les Paul. And uh, they they had some great uh, guys. George Rumble was the other guitar player, and he did like a whole Bowie set. But it was like goth Bowie. Okay. You know? And, you know, and, uh, actually the singer was, uh, Bill Matson, who went on to play. He went on to sing for Tangier. Okay. Tangier yeah. was a band that, uh, we played, we played Jersey, South Jersey club circuit with and actually took on tour with us. Yeah, I thought I remember them opening for you guys. Yeah, I, I asked that question. But they were, they were the ones to originate it. I don't know if they got it from somebody, but, you know, I've seen, you other, I've seen other bands, you know, take the body of their guitar and throw it around, like throw it over your shoulder. Mm-hmm. Like, I've seen Bruce Springsteen do that. Mm-hmm. He just, like, toss, and Ingve Mountain toss it over the shoulder. Right. We, we grab the headstock and push right. and throw the body around first. Yeah. I mean, I could do it both ways, but. But, yeah, uh, I, I haven't seen anybody do that yet. Yeah, I have to admit the, the one thing that I think as a kid, this is just the influence you guys had on a, a very young kid at the time. When I tried doing this, I, I never <laughs> was aware of strap locks. Um, so you can imagine how that turned no, out. No, no, yeah. no strap lock. No, we use, we use seat belts and and uh, we uh, we take like like drill bigger holes in the guitars. Okay, and take and big screws with washers like giant washers on gotcha. the end and just and just bolt that strap right into the guitar permanently yeah see i wasn't smart enough to do that back then i just had the regular <laughs> peg and and luckily we were outside when i did it and the guitar just plummeted to the ground but luckily it was just an old oh, that's how i learned it that's how, <laughs> that's how i taught myself how to do it in the backyard of my parents house yeah because i'm gonna bust up and, and i broke i broke quite a few headstocks you know, one time, one time I spun my guitar and it landed on the on the roof of our patio. <laughs> oh, that's awesome! <laughs> well, Jeff, Jeff, I really appreciate catching up with you again. New albums out late August, Rat Pack Records. I'm assuming iTunes, uh, all that great stuff for digital folks out yeah. there. But but ten bucks at Rat Pack. August, I'm sorry. Yeah, it comes out August 26th, and uh, you can t- you can uh, pre-order it at RatPackRecords.com. You can pre-order it also at Amazon, okay. and uh, if you if you download if you if you get one uh, no strings of iTunes, um, you get like a discount on the on the CD when it comes out. Awesome. 
Well, hopefully we'll see you on the road either either with a solo band or, or if, you know, the gears get turning for Cinderella to do another tour, we'll see you guys again soon. But uh appreciate catching up with you. Hey, John, thanks for having me. All right, big thanks to Jeff Labar of one of my all-time favorites, Cinderella, for coming on the show and talking about the new record. I'm going to turn our attention now to a returning guest, Marco Mendoza, who had joined us. I believe it was sometime in 2012 when he was a member of the band Thin Lizzy, which went on to become Black Star Riders. Uh, Marco has also played with White Snake, uh, so he shared some time with Pittsburgh's uh, native son, Red Beach, in White Snake. Also has played with the uh, likes of Ted Nugent uh, and many, many others. So Marco is uh, also Blue Murder for for those of you who remember the band. I know people who remember that band love that band. So. Always good to remember uh, some of Marco's past bands. Marco's got a new project, a very exciting new project. Uh, I know when a lot of us, you know, found out Kiss and Def Leppard were on the road, everybody's kind of curious who's going to open up. And I know when I first saw it was announced Cobra and the Lotus were going to be opening some of those shows for them. And uh, it turns out they're not coming through the Pittsburgh market, but Cobra and the Lotus will be playing the Altar Bar. So fear not, you'll be able to check them out. Uh, really, really cool band. But, uh, Opening for Kiss and Def Leppard at the First Niagara Pavilion through uh, at the end of August, in much of August, uh, the Dead Daisies, uh, which is a new band featuring John Stevens, uh, David Lowry, also some names that might be a little bit more familiar, Richard Fortas and Dizzy Reed, who are both uh, Guns N' Roses fame, and Brian Titchy on drums, who has played with... Well, just everybody. Brian Tishy's been in every band, I think, imaginable at this point. A fantastic drummer. For those of you who don't remember the name, uh, if you watch that metal show on VHS, or VH1, I'm sorry, <laughs> showing my age. VH1, uh, that metal show, he was the guy who had the punching bag on his drum kit, Brian Tishy. So, uh, fantastic band, uh, certainly under the radar, and they have a great, great, great record. So, we're going to play a song that uh, I, I really, really enjoy. It's called The Face That I Love from the EP that uh, they have out right now. They're, as he mentions in the interview, they're working on a full-length studio record, so really looking forward to that. So here's Face That I Love from The Dead Daisies. Dead Daisies, Marco Mendoza. How you doing, Marco? Good. How are you, John? Thanks for the call, brother. Absolutely. Um, we actually spoke, uh, it's been probably two or three years, uh, you had been on the show back when you were with Thin Lizzy. Um, yeah. And I was 
really pleased to get a chance to talk to you again. Uh, you were a great guest the first time around, and I really, really enjoyed the new EP from the Dead Daisies. So I wanted to kind of talk to you about how um, that band came together. Um, obviously, you know, you've got quite a few members from, from Guns N' Roses and some guys from Australia. So how did the Dead Daisies project actually come about for you? Well, that day started out, um, the, the call that I got, I was in Australia touring with Ben Mitchie um, on the Motley Crue Kids Tour, <clears throat> and uh, I want to say that was in um, 2012, that it was. And uh, so I got a first line management, David, David Edwards, and that gave me a card. He says, you know, we're, we've got a project here called the Dead Daisies, and we're thinking about... Uh, Moving forward, and we would love to have you on board. Would you be interested? I said, yes, of course. So came back home to L.A. and got a call a few weeks later. Uh, along with that came the music and uh, and the invitation to, to be part of the band opening up for Aerosmith. And, um, you know, I said, yeah, that's great. You know, so I heard the music, and the, and the music was just slamming. I heard John sing, and he's, uh, he's an unbelievable singer. The songs were great. It was really something that I could chew on, you know, mm-hmm. something that I could identify right away. And then the fact that Richard Fortis was going to be part of that, which he'd been part of the Thin Lizzy uh, camp alumni, <clears throat> if you will. And uh, and then I heard the lineup, and it was, like, very much interested, like, right away. And long story short, I flew out to Sydney. We got together for rehearsals. And we just all clicked, you know, mm-hmm. uh, in so many different levels, um, uh, as people, as uh, veterans of the, the, the business that we're in. And uh, but musically, it was just it was really dynamic, and, and people were just we were just on the same page, and it felt really good and comfortable. So, uh, like they say, the rest is history. So far, we've done quite a few runs now, you know, and we're on this kids step record thing, which is pretty exciting. Yeah, I mean, you you just finished up, if I'm not mistaken, the uh, Leonard Skinner Bad Company, correct? Yes, correct. Okay. Yeah. So you got. Like, and that was a blast, man. That was a blast. We did seven shows with those guys, and you know, I I knew some of the guys from Skinner and Bad Company. It was it was cool, man. It yeah. Really yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, that was that was a fantastic tour. Uh, the two of those bands working together, and I'm sure it was exciting to go out with with those guys. But then, you know, you get you know a couple you know days to rest almost, and then it's you're right back out with Def Leppard and Kiss, which is you know out of the frying pan and into the fire. You guys are you know for a relatively uh, new project, you guys are getting thrust into some very large venues in the United States, yeah. which has got to be really exciting. It is, man. I'm, I'm, I mean, in, in a matter of a couple of years or a year and a half, 18 months, whatever you want to mm-hmm. call it, uh, we've managed to get on the map in a big way. And uh, so far, we've written, um, I don't know, close to 10 tracks already. We take a break. You said you, we took a break after Bad Company Lane was standing. And in reality, we went back to LA and we got into the studio for four days. And, Okay. And uh, so it was working because the, the chemistry is just so strong and uh, and it's 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 firing on all pistons and everybody's hungry, you know, to create new music and all that. So sure. in that regard, it's just really fun, man. It's a blast. We've already played some of the tracks on the big stage, which is pretty much unheard of these days when we go out there with no net and we... We throw down and people dig it, so it's very cool. The whole experience has been it's been pretty cool. 
pretty yeah. challenging at the same time, but very rewarding too, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, and now you have on the EP, there's four songs, obviously, Helter Skelter, a cover song. Um, when, when you do these, these kind of openings for these double bills, how many tracks do you guys usually play live? Seven or eight? We, uh, well, it depends on the track. And we're trying, we, we've, uh, we've been juggling around trying to see what fits better for, uh, you know, for the, for the opening slot there, there. But, um, um, I think we do uh, six tracks, okay. something like that. And, and then if we're lucky, we get, we get another one in there if we get a few extra minutes. Sure. Uh, and so we go between five and seven tracks at 30 minutes, 32 minutes if we can. We're going to try and get as, many, as much time on stage as we can. Right. And, uh, but I'll tell you, man, right off the top, it's like we, we go out there and um, we hit hard and we get right to the, to the meat and potatoes of it all and, and people dig it and I think we're getting on the radar. Yeah. It's just, it's fun. It's hard to explain it here in a few minutes. Everything that's involved, but it's just a great bunch of guys. John is just an amazing singer, and you know you have Richard Porter's, and you have Dizzy Reed from Guns N' Roses. Richard's just an amazing guitar player. And Dizzy is Dizzy Reed. He plays like Dizzy Reed on mm-hmm. the keys and tune, and he's a talented cat. And then for me, it's a bass player with Brian Tisher on the drums. It couldn't couldn't be any better, you know. It's uh, it's a blast. And then we have Dave Lowey. And John and, and we have a blast, man. It's just, uh, it's a great bunch of guys. We've been around for a while. We've done quite a few projects, and so the common denominator is just to 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 come, you know to come up to write the best music possible for today's market and to have a good time on stage. So it's a win-win thing, you know. It's you can't go wrong. Yeah, yeah, and, and you you touched on a couple of things. One, obviously, I don't think a lot of Americans probably. You know, John's not a household name in the United States. You know, when you look at the band lineup, I even know when I first heard about this band, I kind of went down through the musicians. You're like, you know, you know who Brian is, you know who Marco is, you know who Richard is. But John's name was kind of a, a question mark for me. And then I put on the record, I was like, wow, this is, you know, case closed. This guy's a phenomenal singer. Um, as a bassist, did you have to do anything different or to, to kind of rock in or lock in with uh, Brian's playing or had you guys worked together at any point? You know, Brian and I come from the same school, and we we played in a lot of different projects, um, sessions, et cetera, et cetera. You know, we mm-hmm. spent a lot of time. I spent a lot of time with White Snake, as you well know, and and he did as well. And uh, uh, we've known each other. He was cool enough when I did my solo album to come in and play on it, and we just hit it off. You know, I think I think we speak the same language. You know, mm-hmm. but as a bass player. I'm trying to go back to my roots, you know, play the four string with a pick and rock out, uh, to, you know, my, my, my job here in this band is to lay a foundation together with Brian and support the music, support the singing and the songs, you know, so, uh, <clears throat> when we do our, our headline run and we do a longer set, we get to stretch out a little bit, but, uh, yeah. If there's a function that the drummer and the bass player have to kind of take care of, and uh, and we do, you know, having been in, in so many different situations, we do that. Yeah. I also get a chance to get up, get out into my solo thing where I could I could stretch a little bit, bring the five and the six string fingers and we stretch, you know. But uh, but in this particular case, we're going back to our roots, which is 
grinding on the bottom, man, and creating that that, that pocket and that foundation, you know, right? Because we can't. Absolutely, yeah. it's it's got a kind of cool classic rock meets modern edge to it, so it's mission accomplished for you guys. All right, I don't want to keep you too long, Marco. You guys are coming in on the 25th of Burgertown, Pennsylvania. Uh, the yeah. un- enviable task of, of opening up for Def Leppard and Kiss, uh, which I'm yeah. sure will be a packed house uh, the whole tour. So it's going to be really exciting for you guys. So we'll look forward to seeing you when you get here, man. All right, John. Thank you for your time, Brian. All right, big thanks to Marco Mendoza. Again, the Dead Daisies will be around with Def Leppard and Kiss. That's got to be an easy show to open up. Dead Dead Daisies opening for Def Leppard and Kiss at the First Niagara Pavilion, uh, Burgerstown, Pennsylvania, on the 25th. I'm sorry, the 24th of August. That's a Sunday night, uh, so you get to check them out. They've got a great EP out, Face I Love. You can uh, find that on iTunes, I'm sure, and look for a full-length album soon. So, turn our attention now to our last guest, uh, Vinny Salvatore, who is a transplant to our fair city of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Uh, he is in a band called American Dog. American Dog we had on the show uh, maybe a year or so ago. We had Michael Hannon, who is the bassist and the singer of the band. Uh, if you remember him, he was uh, originally in uh, Salty Dog and also played with Dangerous Toys. Uh, I've got a great kind of Americana rock and roll, a little bit harder edge, but uh, fantastic uh, band. Uh, great uh, veterans of rock. Uh, Vinny is new to the band. He is the first fourth member of the band if that makes sense he explains that a little more in the interview uh, they are going to be opening for Tesla when they come through Pittsburgh Pennsylvania here in the middle of August so if you've got your tickets to see Tesla you're going to get a great uh, opening act as well so get your butts there early uh, to check them out so without further ado Vinny Salvatore of American Dog <laughs> Can't move my body, can't 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, with great pleasure, I welcome now native Pittsburgh Vinny Salvatore of American Dog to the show. How are you doing, Vinny? I'm doing great. How are you doing, man? I'm doing fantastic. It's a pleasure to finally get you on the show. You have been uh, kind of transplanted into our region. It's been a couple of years now, hasn't it? I uh, got here in 2012. 2012. So you. So yeah, it's been two years since I've been in here. Well, uh, belated <laughs> welcome. And uh, I, I remember um, when you made your way to town. Um, you know, you had been playing with uh, the gods at the time, um, and had had a chance to listen. But we never had a chance to get you on the show at the time. So you're now playing with another band who've uh, been on the show at this point, uh, American Dog. So it was even a better chance to talk to you so let's let's just back up a little bit in in your um you grew up in the columbus area is that where you were originally from i actually grew up down in west virginia in okay Huntington. okay yeah and uh moved to columbus oh i don't know about 10 years ago and uh then over to here in 2012 okay um but yeah i, I really miss columbus it's a really cool place the weird thing though is I moved to Pittsburgh, and then I joined another Columbus band. Yeah. So there I, you go. I, I was going to ask you about that because when you know <laughs> you, you look up American Dogs, the very first thing it says was formed in Columbus, Ohio. This is kind of oh, yeah. ironic that you drove all the way out here to, to jam with those guys. So you're spending yeah. a lot of time uh, traveling out west. Um, so let's talk. You, the, the band has a new album uh, on, on the uh, verge of being released, I believe, later this month. You want to talk a little bit about? How you came to be in the band? Because I know you're you're kind of a late addition to the lineup, uh, and a little bit about the new record. Well, yeah, man. Um, well, you know, American Dog they started out as a three piece, and you know from day one, and they were three piece until the day I joined. And um, you know, I first saw them in 2003, I think it was. Okay. And after that, that we we got to be really good friends, and. Uh, over the years, you know, I've opened for them, and they've opened for me a few times. It's kind of cool. And uh, the, basically, uh, the, the subject of them expanding to a, a four-piece, uh, it came up a lot over the years for them. Sure. And, uh, and my name started popping up in 2010, and uh, when I was in the gods, because I was already friends with these guys. We're buddies. Mm. You know, right. <laughs> drinking buddies and going to concerts and stuff. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and uh, basically, when I left the gods, it was that was the time. I mean, and I left the gods in 2013 in March, and you know, by May, I was more or less in American Dog. <laughs> Can't beat that. Yeah, two months. That's not too bad. Yeah, you know, part of the audition process with American Dog. Uh, which went on for several weeks, you know, because they weren't going to let me just uh, get off easy. And mm -hmm. I was the only one being considered, too. Yeah. But, you know, they, uh, did you know they, that they, at the time? Be, I, I did, okay. yeah. And it wasn't going to be a free ride. It was not to, to earn it. So we did a couple of uh, audition shows, actually. The first one was billed as American Dog Plus One. <laughs> yeah. Special guest. And uh, they wanted to call it just Colonial Canine. <laughs> and uh, and so uh, that was at the band's, our home base, which is in Wapakoneta, Ohio. I don't know if you've heard of that place or not. 
Uh, I can't say I honestly have. Well, the first person to step on the moon took his first breath there, Neil okay. Armstrong. So there you go. It's famous for that. There's a museum there and all that. But our our home base is actually in Wapakoneta. It's kind of weird. It's 90 minutes from Columbus, but we're just we've got a really good fan base there in Wapakoneta, and it's a great club, Route 33 Rhythm and Brews. And so that's where my first little show was. And then uh, uh, you know we did a couple of more gigs, and then we officially consummated the marriage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, with with kind of a home, uh, an official show, and uh, you know, a lot of the reason for for these shows, uh, mixing with the audition process, really was because this was an experiment for American Dog. Um, you know, it wasn't really much of a question of how good I was going to be or how well I knew the songs. The real question was, would a second guitar player screw it all up for the band? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a big consideration. I mean, you figure, you're not just another, you know, a lot of people think, okay, i got a second guitar player, we're going to play the guitar different. But even in talking to drummers, bass players, you approach the instrument different. You do, absolutely. And, uh, you know, Steve, my buddy Steve, uh He's used to playing those songs a certain way and uh, playing bits and pieces of all the different parts that are on the records to, you know, to come up with one thing he could play, you know, in a three-piece format mm-hmm. that would kind of cover all the bases. And uh, so, you know, he had to make a huge adjustment. And, uh, you know, Michael, of course, on stage, the biggest adjustment for Michael is to remember that I'm sitting over there on the left. Actually, I'm standing Mm-hmm. We never sit in American Dog, but <laughs> we're not we're not that old yet. Not, not getting there, but <laughs> but uh, you know he didn't want to smack me in the head with his bass or something. You mm-hmm. know, forget that I'm standing there. So that was an adjustment we had to make, and uh, you know it's all worked out really well. And you know the highlight of last year was was uh, we played with Derek St. Holmes from Ted Nugent. Awesome. And uh, we opened for him, and then we were his backing band. And uh, it was amazingly went went amazingly well. Uh, I couldn't <laughs> I couldn't say anything uh, bad about that show. It was just great all the way around the whole the whole thing. And of course, that was also in Wapakoneta. So all all roads lead there. If you follow American Dog, you know about Wapakoneta. <laughs> Home base. So now, um, yeah. Did you guys you guys recorded Neanderthal? Um, was that done? Did you guys do that a lot all over the internet, or did you have to go out there to be part of that? Oh no, we uh, it was very hands-on, very kitchen sink. Okay. Uh, we all convened over in Columbus um, at uh, Sonic Lounge Studios. That's Joe Veers owns that place. Okay. And uh, you know he's kind of he's always been really the unofficial fourth member of American Dog. So I guess I'm really the fifth member of the band. Yeah, <laughs> Joe has been yeah, Joe's been there the whole time. And uh you know, we we go in there, we cut all the basic tracks, everything is done, you know, live. And uh the main idea there is just to get get really good drum mixes. Mm-hmm. And uh we keep the good parts, you know, wh- whatever else, you know, guitars that sounded really good, we'll we'll keep some of that. And it build on that, you know, uh, and it, it comes across sounding like we're right there playing live. Joe's an amazing producer, mm-hmm. and um, it's just a great experience, you know. 
working with American Dog, and I like to work the way they work. You know, no sure. click tracks. Yeah, that which is, <laughs> yeah, anymore. No that, that's a, that's a, even live, so many bands you see using click tracks. That's, that's great to hear. Um, yeah. One thing I noticed on, on the band's website uh, has to be uh, signing with Doug Goldstein when, uh, his management, um, who, you know, obviously has had a, a whole litany of amazingly huge talent. How did that come about? Actually, through some mutual friends uh, that that knew Doug and knew he wanted to get back into the business because mm-hmm. he'd been out of it uh, long, not long after he left Guns N' Roses. He just kind of stepped away for a while, mm-hmm. and uh, we found out he wanted to get back in, and he heard our music and really liked it, and asked if if he could be a part of it. And uh, so that's a really cool thing um, to have him on our in our camp. Absolutely. A guy like Goldstein. Yeah, that's some firepower there. Yeah, I think that, that can't really be <laughs> understated. Even, you know, you look at even his current roster with Kill Devil Hill in particular. You know, it's it's a great stable of talent, and that can really, you know, take a band far because, you know, unfortunately there there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of bands across the U.S., obviously, uh, but to be able to, you know, find things to take your band to the next level, you know, that's a great, great tool in the belt there. Oh, yeah. Now, yeah, uh, we're absolutely, uh, we're really fortunate that the things are going our way in that department. Yeah. You know? Now, uh, speaking of things going your way, obviously the new record, but you guys have, have kind of a uh, really coveted role touring-wise. You want to talk about, you know, what are the plans for the summer now? Well, we've got a, we've got some things on the table that I can't talk about because they're they're just not to that stage of development. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I can talk about Tesla. And uh, we were really fortunate to uh, to get some dates on on their current tour. Um, right now, we're doing ten dates with them. Okay. And we start in New York City. Uh, that's next week uh, on the 18th. Okay. And, uh, and then we finish up in Chicago in in August. But there may be other dates that we'll be doing with them. Okay. Um, mainly, what's happened is. They've got a lot of dates that are at festivals that have already been booked. There are also casino dates and stuff that right. we're just not, you know, going to get on those dates. But it's looking like uh, we could actually add a lot more Tesla dates uh, as this thing progresses. You know, their new album just came out. I believe it came out yes, it came out Tuesday. That would right. be yesterday, right? That's so actually today. Yeah, that's this. It, that's actually today, but yeah, we'll, we'll let's. I lose track of the days, man. Hey, I only I only knew because on their Facebook page, every day for the last week they've had a giant number, and today or yesterday was one. So obviously today was okay. the release day. So I'm no right, right on. Yeah, today's Tuesday, of course. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's garbage day. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, Looking I, at I, the garbage can right out there, they should tell me what day of, day of the week it is. Jesus. Stylistically, though, I mean that that's that's a very good match. I know from listening to the to the tracks from Neanderthal, uh, and and also we had Mike on the show. Oh, but it's probably been a year and a half or so, uh, in listening to them. You know, prior to you, that, that it's a good match. You know, sometimes you get, you know, bands opening for you know bands like a Tesla that you, you'll go and kind of scratch your head. You know. Or these four guys yeah. with beards and, you know, playing indie pop music kind of stuff. Exactly. 
<laughs> you know, when you listen to, you know, Sun Won't Shine, for example, that was a song that I immediately uh, kind of gravitated to just because of the cool guitar work, especially at the beginning. Uh, awesome. Well, I'm glad you like that, yeah. Yeah, is that you and Steve playing together? Yeah. Excellent. Yep. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. And that's the kind of stuff, you know, I think you, when you go to see a band like Tesla, you, you figure you're going to have, you know, couple thousand people who obviously grew up listening to little Susie and things like that are going to hear you guys and I think we'll gravitate quite well so score yeah, one the interplay between the two guitars is you know it's similar to what you might have in a band like Tesla mm-hmm. or really a lot of two guitar bands I mean there are some two guitar bands that you don't really see the difference but mm-hmm. the, you know we can you and I could probably sit here and name a bunch where, where you do and I think with our band now and we've heard it from lots of fans that, that the sound is fuller now live and, and the contrast in the two guitar styles and the sound of the two guitars. Uh, you know, Steve's sound is a little... Um, mine is brighter. It's more cutting. Mm-hmm. And Steve's is less so. That gives yeah. you an idea. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah with Tesla, it's a great match. Um, and, you know, ironically, there are actually some guys in that band are really good friends of mine. Mm-hmm. I'm a... Uh, Troy Lucchetta, the drummer, is a good buddy, and Dave Rude. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, American Dog has done some shows with them before and with Frank and with Dave, so yeah. it's pretty cool, you know. It'll be good to see him again. And Yeah, Frank uh, you know. tours, I think, nonstop. If, if you ever see a, a, a break in Tesla's schedule, you can assume Frank is somewhere doing a show. Um, Always. Know, and Dave uh, has been a guest on the show as well, who's, who's put out some fantastic solo material and things like that. So, yeah, and he did Dave's a very good awesome. job. Yeah, Dave did a great job, I think, following, you know, kind of blending in his own style into what Tommy had done, you know, with some yeah. of the albums that people remember. And even, you know, you yeah. mentioned uh, your style and Steve's, you know, you think of bands like, like GNR, for example, where you had Izzy's style that blended so well with Slash's, you know. So, yeah, there's. Yeah. That's a, that's a great thing when you have two guitars who aren't clones, you know, but can still right. play in the same sandbox, you know, because there's certainly bands out there where you get two guys who just like shut up and listen to the other guy for a minute, you know, kind of thing because they <laughs> fight over stuff. So it's yeah. nice to hear it when it interweaves well, you know. And that's, oh yeah, yeah. You know, it, right from the very start, even uh, the first the first audition or the day of, of, of auditions, basically. Uh, we, after the first song, it, it it was no longer an audition. It was more like a rehearsal. Mm-hmm. And the first thing that they did, they started throwing me stuff from, that was that ended up on uh, the new album. Mm-hmm. And uh, it just right away, we we had a you know a, just a good rapport, me and Steve, and uh, it works great. I love him too as a person. It's just they're all great guys and yeah. a lot of fun to play with and hang out with. And, and that know, can't be we hang out as, a, as outside the band too, as much mm-hmm. as we can. Yeah. So that's a really cool thing. You know, money can't buy that. Right. When, when you have a whole band that has a unified sense of uh, of purpose, you know, uh, money really can't buy that. So. Yeah. As long pretty as cool thing, man. Yeah, as long as you don't let money destroy it, because how many bands end up behind the music? But that's your very, very oh. problem. Hungry as hell and rich as hell, and then lawyers take it all. Yeah. Yeah. Let's work across that yeah. bridge when you get to it. Vinny, it's been a pleasure. Are you guys going to be doing the, the Pittsburgh date? As a matter of fact, we are. We are in uh, we're in Pittsburgh uh, August.
August 14th at Stage AE. Awesome. And uh, right down through the region, we'll be doing Columbus, Cleveland, Cincinnati also in August. So, you know, everybody just check out AmericanDog.us, and uh, you can find all the information right there. Come out and see us and rock out. Woof. Awesome. <laughs> hey, it's been a pleasure, Vinny. Yeah. All right. Thanks a lot, John. All right, folks, I want to thank Vinny, also, again, Marco and Jeff for joining us on the show. This is kind of a jam-packed episode. Uh, if you haven't checked out already our previous episode, we have, I think, even more episodes or interviews in that episode uh, with our Mayhem wrap-up that Sean did. Uh, so you've got the likes of Corn and Mushroom Head, Cannibal Corpse, THC, Amur. So uh, check that out as well. It's available on iTunes. Uh, if you want to step to date with everything we're doing, you can go to iTunes and subscribe to the podcast. Certainly go to Facebook.com forward slash Iron City Rocks or Twitter.com forward slash Iron City Rocks. And always welcome at the Mothership, which is IronCityRocks.com, where we have uh, some fantastic concert photography. Also links to the show. Uh, everything you need to know is all right there. So if you remember anything I'm saying, IronCityRocks.com. Also, you can contact us through the website or ironcityrocks at gmail.com. Tell us you love the show. Tell us the show sucks. Tell us to get better guests. Tell us to, you know, we're the greatest thing since sliced bread. Just be honest. That's all we're looking for. So we want to thank you. Uh, if you like the show, there are 241 previous episodes to check out. So we'll keep you busy. Thanks. Until next time.